Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Giants fans. Welcome to the latest episode of the Talk is Cheap Giants podcast from NJ Advanced Media, the Star Ledger, and NJ.com. Daryl Slater here with Bob Brookover. Uh, we're coming at you here Monday evening, December the 19th. Giants, uh, really, literally, I'm looking at my clock, 24 hours ago from right now as we're recording this, the Giants kicked off what turned out to be an absolutely enormous win for them in Washington, 20-12. Uh, to 12, They hang on and really, like, you know, this was one of the biggest wins this franchise has had since they won the Super Bowl in 2011. You got to call it for what it is, and that's what it was, um, especially considering, you know, worst record in the league over the last five years, tied with the Jets at 22 and 59. And here the Giants are uh, as winter, I guess, in two days is starting, and in Christmas this week, and the Giants this weekend will get to a how, but they can clinch a spot in the playoffs in, uh, you know, something that I would love to see what the Vegas odds would have been for this team to make the playoffs. But uh, preseason. And, um, but yet here they are, they're on the brink. They have an 87% chance of reaching the playoffs. According to five thirty-eight. they have, uh, eight and a half wins, uh, one game lead on Washington, one and a half game lead on Seattle and Detroit, obviously also the tiebreaker head to head over Washington. So that's really a two game lead. Uh, we'll get to all the permutations and how they could clinch and everything, but, uh, you know, look, um, just an enormous win, no matter how you slice it. We went into this game saying, Big time pressure, big time stage. Let's go see what type of team this Giants team is. Um, are they playoff worthy? And look, they're not knocking off the 72 Dolphins here. Now, we're not saying they're going to need to be crowned as elite, but um, are they playoff worthy? And they were. They were. They were. They were not perfect last night, but they certainly proved themselves to be uh, a playoff worthy team, snapping out of their one four and one streak. Uh, and and here they are on the brink now uh, with three games to play. Bob, it was certainly another heart stopper last night. It was. They, you know, they did not play the perfect game by any means. They only scored one offensive touchdown. Uh, they needed two, uh, basically, goal line stops on the uh, commander's last two possessions. They also needed some, pro- you know, I, I won't add they, they got some fine intervention, not divine, but fine intervention from the officiating crew. Uh on that last drive. Um, and, but you know what? They put themselves in a position. And let's point out, you know, of course the commanders weren't happy with those calls at the end of the game. Uh, the one on the, the, the penalty for legal formation and pass interference. Uh, I, I, I don't know about the legal formation one, but the other one, it was, it was weird at least. And the other one, uh, I thought it was definitely pass interference. Let's point out also that even if they score that touchdown, they got to get a two-point conversion. And even to get a two-point conversion, they got to win in overtime. So 
you know, the Giants earned that win. Uh, if, you, if you're the Commanders, it's a horrible loss because you lost at home and all those things you just stated about, you know, it's a one-game lead that's really a two-game lead. has to be devastating for them. And we saw the euphoria in the locker room. Uh, had to be the happiest we've seen that locker room all season last night and for good reason. Yeah, I mean, I think this team can could, you know, not, they have some breathing room in the NFC playoff race a little bit here, and they could certainly exhale a little bit after the way they've played lately. They got their brains beat in by the Eagles last week when Washington was off. Everything was looking to, in Washington's favor coming into this game. Um, at home, second straight game against the Giants, coming off a bye week. Um, and yet uh, the Giants did what they've kind of always done this year, which is, uh, make our lives a living hell at the end of games, writing these on deadline, but and I'm sure some fans too. How many of you guys have ulcers now because of this team? Uh, <laughs> but, uh, um, but also, you know, Ben, but don't break really. I think that's been the mindset of this defense all year. It looks like, you know, honestly, they give them a ton of yards in the fourth quarter, um, but they did not break ultimately. And uh, before we get into the particulars and we, you, you did a good job there, Bob recapping, um, the general nature of everything that kind of happened in the game. Here's the deal for this weekend. All right. The giants go to uh, Minnesota on Christmas Eve. They play at one o'clock. They have eight and a half wins. Just think of it like that because they have a tie. Uh, Washington plays at four Oh five in San Francisco, Washington sitting with seven and a half wins. Seattle is in Kansas city at one o'clock. Seattle's got seven wins. Uh, and again, don't even think about the head to head tiebreaker with Seattle and Detroit right now. And Detroit is in Carolina. Uh, and Detroit has seven wins. So here's what it's pretty simple. The Giants can clinch by win by being Minnesota, which is hard. Minnesota's really good. And then all these other things have to happen. Washington has to lose in San Francisco. I could totally see that happening. Uh, again, that won't happen until the Giants game's over. Um, and then Seattle has to lose in Kansas City. I think that's probably a lock. Um, and then Detroit, who's red hot. Winners of six or seven after a one and six start. They have to lose in Carolina. I don't know. I mean, that, it's a lot that has to happen. And I think probably the hardest is the Giants winning in Minnesota. But technically, yes, the Giants can clinch. And and like if they don't clinch this weekend, they have Colts at home next weekend and other things that could happen, obviously, to put them into the playoffs. Um, and then they close in, in Philadelphia. So uh, I'll, I'll ask you this question. I'll interrupt you here and ask you this oh, yeah. question. There's those four teams. Which two make it? That's exactly right. So it's not like the Giants are in and the other three will be eliminated, right? Because the Giants right now are the sixth seed. Right. Uh, I, I I think Washington will make. I I have to look at all the the schedules ahead. Uh, yeah, I, I, I just I think I think it's going to be Detroit and the Giants. Detroit and the Giants. Okay. Um, yeah. Detroit has a really easy schedule, right? So like we'll just let's see. Detroit has at the Panthers versus the Bears at the Packers. Okay. The the Lions don't even need to win out. I think if they get to nine, there's a good chance they could get in. Right. Yeah, I think that's that's true. What do the I, Commanders have? The Commanders are Niners, Browns, Cowboys. We'll see what the Cowboys will be doing in that game. Will they be resting players? Yeah, they um, very well could be because they kind of locked themselves into the fifth seed by losing yesterday. Uh, you know, they they could very well beat the Eagles this week with. Jalen Hurts out, uh, but they they still trail the Eagles by two games at that point. Pretty much, uh, uh, well, they do. They trail them by two games, and the Eagles would have to beat the Saints. Um, if, if they don't beat the Saints, then the Giants could end up seeing um, 
seeing Jalen Hurts and the Eagles number one uh the first first team players in the final game of the season which would be uh interesting in, in, if they don't beat the Colts and lock things up the week before uh so there's still a lot of things that can a lot of balls in the air things that could happen um but you yeah know, I, I I don't see Seattle getting to two nine wins um, well, I, I guess they could, they're going to, they're, they're probably going to lose to Kansas city this week. Then they play the jets at home. Um, and then the Rams at home. So, uh, yeah, I guess they could get to nine wins still if they, they could beat the jets and Rams at home, you know, but they've been playing, they've really, they're in a heart they're like the giants, you know, they, they, they won that game over the giants and then they went into a tailspin of their own. Um, they've lost four out of five now. So. Um, you know, but, but if I had to make my picks, I'd pick the lions and the giants. All right. Yeah, I can see that. And I, I think we agree that Seattle is probably the least likely. And, um, like if you go by the, uh, by five thirty eight, and those numbers change a lot, Seattle actually is, is, is the least likely they they're at 30%, uh, lions at 41, uh, Washington, uh, 35. Right. So, so, and then the giants at, uh, the Giants were pregame last night, forty six percent, and they bumped up to eighty seven by winning. Basically, they flip flopped with what the Commanders were, which obviously makes sense from a logical perspective. But the Jalen Hurts injury is interesting. Uh, that news came out earlier today. Obviously, they go to Dallas this weekend. And he's not going to play. Then they have Saints and versus Giants, so it's it's supposedly not a serious injury. And, and let's just say, like, let's say he's all right. So let's say he doesn't play these next two weeks, and the Eagles have locked up the one seed. Um. And he's healthy enough to play against the Giants. It would be really interesting to see what they do. Like, do they? If it's me, I have to play him some. You play him right because then you're going to get another week off after that. Right. You can't go. You know, I, you know, I obviously have a know the Eagles' history pretty well, and it reminds me of. Uh, let's see if I can find the season here. Uh, I believe it was the Eagles' 2002 season. Um, they were, they were, they ended up being the number one seed that year. Um, so let's see if I can find this here. But they, but in the in week, uh, they were playing the Cardinals, and Donovan. Oh, it was they, they went to seven and three, and Donovan McNabb broke his leg. He played the whole game on a broken leg, and then he was out basically until the playoffs. Um, and he came back, and he was not the same Donovan McNabb that he had been uh, in the first ten games of the season. The Eagles, uh, amazingly, they were seven and three after that game, and they went five and one the rest of the way. In fact, they went to, the the following week. They went out to San Francisco, was pretty good, and their backup quarterback got hurt. And uh, who came – I forget who it was that came in. A.J. Feely, I think, came in, and they beat San Francisco, killed San Francisco. But when they got to the playoffs, McNabb wasn't the same. They beat the Falcons, but then lost to the Bucks, who went on to win the Super Bowl. But, but the, the the point here is that you, you, you just don't want your quarterback to be out that long. Agreed. Uh, yeah, yeah, you, for sure. You just, you just can't – you can't have it. So that that's something that else that that also could throw a you know we'll see how long the Giants can go without clinching air. I mean the bottom line is after winning last night they're in great shape. Uh, Wembley, go ahead. 
when will they clinch? We'll see. Will it come? Will they? Will that game like matter a lot? Well, for what? For seeding purposes? Obviously, the Giants are not going to be going to be made probably not resting starters unless something weird happens statistically where they're locked into a seed. Anyway, but the the Jalen Hurts injury now because of the reasons we just talked about kind of casts a little bit of an interesting uh, light on that on that finale now. I think. So 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 I was going to say while 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 we're on the subject of quarterbacks. Let's talk about what you thought about what Daniel Jones did last night. Yeah, look, I mean, uh, he he was that was a typical Daniel Jones type performance in terms of not great stats, um, but timely production and limiting turnovers, and that's what has been sort of his calling card this year. I mean, twenty one of thirty two, one hundred and sixty yards, no touchdowns, no picks, a seventy seven six quarterback rating. In terms of running the ball, 10 times 35 yards, so, you know, an okay number for him. Um, but, you know, he engineered a 90, 10 of 12 for, I believe, 91 yards, right, on the on yeah, the on that drive and a fourth and nine completion to Richie James to keep a it third alive. And nine or a third and ten, third right? And Richie James, also to Richie James, who, Look, who was. Those, those matter more, right? I mean, you can look at the stats all you want and, like, but but when you have a low scoring tight game and you perform like that in a concise manner and a really important drive, it's one thing to like maybe you have a bunch of completions all spread out over different drives and most of your drives stink. But if you can have like a compressed ninety seven yards, one of the best drives of the guy's career, right? I, so had to be the best, I would think. I mean, it's you know you're on the three yard line, the, the commanders just celebrated, yep. downing the ball there. And then all of a sudden they don't get the ball back for the rest, pretty much the rest of the th- second quarter. Eight and a half uh, minutes. <laughs> and you know I they mean, drive. Right. So you know the Giants going up fourteen to three, and in many ways the game was well. I mean the game was won there because the, the, the Commanders didn't get to fourteen, <laughs> so they had to, they, they had enough points to win the game right there. But uh, you know. It, 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 that Daniel Jones played that way, and then, you know, they had Saquon Barkley right when they needed him to come through. He reels off, what, 11, 12, 14, you know, three straight runs on the drive for the last field goal that, you know, at least guaranteed him. You know, they their two stars yesterday played exactly the way you want your stars to play in a, in a, in a big game, which is, you know, I, I'd love to be in Joe Shane's mind <laughs> uh, saying – you know, what does this mean for the future? <laughs> no doubt. And you're, you're not just play well in, in a big game, but like do it in big spots. Like, I mean, they needed Saquon Barkley to help. I, they, you know, it wound up not being icing the game, but just take time off the clock at the end to move the ball and to flip the field a little bit. And he did that. They needed Daniel Jones in the first half to do something on that when they're backed up at three and he leads a touchdown drive. So like when, when, when you're, when your team needs you in a big game, I mean, that's, that's to me, you know, the marker of, of, of a, of a reliable player, you know, I'm not going to say Daniel Jones is a star, but like, look, I mean, they, they went into the halftime up 14, three again, they didn't score 30 points, by the way, uh, <laughs> let's whatever the number is, go back to the story you wrote in at it, but they were up 14, three at half the first time, I think in 30 games, ESPN had the stat that they led by double digits at half. And that was because of what they were able to do on that, on that drive. They staked the big lead. Um, and when you play these low scoring games, like the first half matters. I mean, yes, we could talk about all these second half games and all the end of the game, but like the things that happened in the second quarter of that game were important. Um, and so certainly Daniel Jones delivered in that spot. That's, that's, that's a big spot to put your team right. off 17 three. 
That was a yeah. big thing. Yeah. And the and the biggest play of the game came at the beginning of the second quarter because the Giants right were doing yep. nothing, doing nothing in the on offense. Uh, you know, had given up big chunks of yards on their the, the commanders' first two drives, and they, they, they you know, the commanders and this came up with three three points and why they punted it from the the thirty four yard line. I'll never understand that. But then the entire the entire uh, tenor of the game changes with one play by Kayvon Thibodeau, who looked like a superstar fifth, you know, as the fifth overall pick what you would want he looked exactly the part last night wow i mean that's wow that that was the best way to describe what he did last night wow um everywhere Uh, he uh he looks like and steve politi wrote a great column on Kayvon thibodeau for this morning um he looks like he's going to be a star i mean that's he's not going to be the defensive rookie of the year sauce gardner is going to be that uh obviously um but Kayvon Kayvon thibodeau Delivering in a big spot. I mean, it was. Uh, the- he, he reminded me of that guy with two initials last night. He really did. Yeah, you know, it's funny. <laughs> I ran into. Uh, I ran. I was in the hotel, a zombie, this morning at the, you know, being tortured by the courtyard bistro, waiting for my, uh, waiting for what time? It was a pretty good breakfast. Did a little quinoa and a, and, a, and a couple sunny side up eggs with some Giants fans were hanging out there. I, I was, you know, they were doing their own thing. They were feeling good about the game. Obviously, all of them looked really hungover. I looked hungover, but I, you know, it was because I was, you know, we're we're working all night. <laughs> we're hungover from writing. Yeah, uh, a typing hangover. And so, Steve Serby uh, uh, from the New York Post, who's been, you know, covering, you know, he knows LT as well as anyone. And so I said to him, I go, Steve uh, or Serby, and I said, uh, you know, KT looked like LT a little bit last night, and he's, he nodded a little bit. He's like, oh, he's not LT yet, or what is? I can't remember what he said, but, um, but it was just funny. Uh, that you mentioned that because I did think about that this morning and on that sack, I mean, it was a simple bull rush. It was all, it was all effort because you know, the bull rush, great play, great strength, but then to go get the ball, the presence of mind. And if you watch two on the scoop, it was so clean. Uh, you see so often a defensive guy trying to scoop the ball. These guys obviously don't handle the ball that much and it's bobbled or whatever they, but he, on the run, he scoops the ball and he just rolls very seamlessly into the end zone. It was such a great all effort, but like super agile play. Um, he, he seemed to do like three things in one motion. <laughs> it was right. I mean, <laughs> the sack, the, the pickup the, into the end zone. Oh. Um, and and I, then I, know, I wish well, I, I wish I could have been on the train ride to hear what he was saying on the way. Oh the way. man. He is a trip. So, he has so much energy after, after he has so much energy after they just win. And when he's the reason they won, I can't even imagine what level that goes to. He, it's funny because he was gassed a little bit at the end of the game. I think he got poked in the eye, right? So he was like, yeah. uh, he was down on like on his haunches or whatever. It would be crouching, I guess it would, it would be the way. And um, and it was funny because Julian Love joked afterwards that like after the game, like Thibodeau was like playing up the exhaustion, like, and he made that reference to like Paul Pierce. I think that game when Paul Pierce was sick or something like that, and right. you know, the Jordan type, just carry me off, take me off, and and uh, <laughs> and Thibodeau is a ham. I mean, and, and um, look, I think he's obviously a super sharp guy. Let's, I mean, let's call for what it is. The guy's got more upstairs at this time of his career than LT maybe ever did during his career. <laughs> like LT wasn't exactly known for me, you know, making the most sound and logical decisions in his 
life and uh, yeah. <laughs> football life and actual life. But yeah, this kid is is got a, a good head on his shoulders in terms of football savvy and awareness. They ask him to do a lot mentally on the field, and he's he's got charisma to him. I mean, his birthday was this week, and he he kidded around with reporters and uh, had everyone I guess wish him right happy birthday before. Oh yes, I I refuse to sing happy birthday, but when somebody else sang happy birthday, I did at least a cha-cha-cha. I said, I'm your confetti. (laughs) (laughs) He's an engaging guy. And we saw it. I mean, six and one, uh, he wears his emotions on his sleeve. And at six and one in Jacksonville, you know, he went on that F-bomb lace tirade when asked a simple question about what they showed the rest of the league. So he really, um, he really, you know, p- puts his personality out there and you know, look, sports is entertainment. This is entertainment. And this guy is highly entertaining, not just because he's a ham of a person, but he's a tremendous player. And while we're talking about him, I mean, let, the strip sack was great. It was great. Honestly, though, the play. The play the the goal on, Cause it was like unbelievable. Uh, the, the one thing I'm wondering about the, what, what was his, his assignment that was he, he was, what's that? He was in like, coverage on that play. He, he, he was in coverage, but there was nobody really around. But it was yeah, you know, like when you watch the replay, it's like, oh my God, he covered so much ground to get to the, to to beat uh Heineke to that spot. You know, it, it was just amazing that, that he got there. And his quote was great about, you know, I don't I don't I don't know what I was thinking. I just know we saw each other or something like that. <laughs> I do know that we saw each other. <laughs> I mean, so. it, it's, I asked Darius Slayton about it after the game because you know it's it's always interesting to ask guys on the sideline what they thought of a play because they're they're like watching the whole thing and he said something to the effect of like it, it was like he came out of thin air. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I mean that's yeah that's what he covered that ground so fast. Remarkable play. I mean, and he, that, that, well, it was a sideline view that led to Dexter Lawrence's quote about. But what were you think? What, what what was your view of? He goes, well, I was on the sideline when he when he scored the touchdown. I was thinking, gonna be a long train ride home. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And uh, not not. I don't think he let anyone sleep on that train ride. And you know, just the reset. Obviously, it was second and ten from the Giants seven, or second and goal right from the Giants seven. And Heineke scrambles to the right and. Kayvon Thibodeau. I mean, that that's a season-saving play. Obviously, yeah. yes. We talked about they would have had to get two. They would have had to go to overtime. So a potential season-saving play. He closes them out at the one-yard line, and then everything downhill from there uh, for Washington. And, you know, obviously a tremendous all-effort play. Just remarkable. And th- so then the next three plays, really the two of the next three, we, t- we t- touched on earlier. We might as well get into it now. So third and goal at the one. That was the one. Um, where there was the it was the penalty on um, Terry McLaurin for the illegal formation. Did you, did you see the replay of that? A couple times I watched him passing, and so the interesting I mean, it, it, McLaurin clearly looks at the side judge and says something to him. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, I saw the McLaurin interview after the game. Yeah, uh, you know, and he was <laughs> he stopped himself and said, "I don't want to get fined here." So, I mean, he was obviously upset, but, you know, he basically said, I was, I, I said to him, am I, am I good? And he said, yeah, I'm good. And and there was some conversation. You obviously don't know what was said, but whatever was said, 
was said, and then the play was snapped, and the flag immediately went up in the air. It was very See, weird. Yeah, and the pool report from John Hussey, the, the referee who also addressed the play we'll talk about in a minute, um, it was uh, – it mentioned that, and it said, you know, there was, there's was there been a conversation today in, around the NFL about, like, at least on Twitter, about, you know, is the is – the, the, I guess the the side judge, the side judge and the down judge are essentially the same thing. They're just on the opposite sides of the field. Is he responding? I think that was Alan Baines, I guess is him. And, I, and the reason I'm mentioning a name is I'll get to that in a second, but um, is response, you know, is that person, is that official responsible for telling the player, Oh, you're on, or, you know, or you need right, back. Off? Right, right. Do they have the responsibility or the duty to help the player? Right. Um, it's, it's an interesting sort of thing that it's not really in the rules. Right. Um, and right. so, did some, you see? Did you see Hussey's response? I did. I need to go back and look at it right now. The, the um, question I got it right here. So the question was: When a player does point to the official like that, yeah. does the official have to say whether he's at the line or not? And he, and Hussey's uh, John Hussey's answer was the referee, not typically. And the official could be doing other things like counting the offense. There's a multitude of different duties. So I can't confirm whether the official even saw that or not, but he was clearly off the line of scrimmage. Was his answer. It's, so. it's yeah. So the reason, I, the, the reason I brought up the, the name there, um, and so you there, Bob? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, and I, I think I know the answer, but go ahead. Oh, sorry. It sounded like you were. Uh... No, 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 I'm still here. <laughs> so, um, so the, the down judge and the side judge basically the same judge job, um, and so, or the whatever, I, I, or is it the line judge and the down judge? Anyway, whatever it is. So there's two officials on the field that judge the line of scrimmage. Um, one lines up on one sideline, one lines up on the other sideline, and so a Nutley native, Robin DiLorenzo, who's the third. Uh, um, female official in NFL history um, behind Sarah Thomas. And then there was another woman this year who debuted along with, along with Robin. She's from Nutley and we did a story on her in the spring. Um, a really interesting story. She was on the crew. And so she worked yes. a game last night right. and I, I noticed her because Steve Politi also very famous, famous in the hall of fame, in the Nutley hall of fame. Well, the, uh, I know that sitting next to me. Uh, and he said, Oh, I think, I think Robin's working this game. And, and so in the first half, she was on the top of the field. So she was on the um I I can't even remember what sideline. I think it was the she was on the Giants sideline to start, right? The Giants sideline was the far sideline away from the press box. And right. but they switched in the first in the second half. So she was back on the Washington sideline. So that would have been her call. Right. Um, if if for whatever reason she started on the opposite sideline. So right. anyway. Uh, it's an, then, so that's a weird nuance rule that like every people don't really fully grasp necessarily. I don't think how that works. And it doesn't even seem like the, you know, players kind of misunderstand. I, I, I just, I, I, I do know this from covering the game long enough. Uh, and you know, I, I don't know. Um, I, I've seen it in training camp. You know, when the teams often have officials in training camp when they're, you know, and, and the officials use training camp also to, to get ready for the season where, the, you know, the receiver will say, hey, am I good? And they get, yeah, you're good. You're good. You know, I've, right, I've seen right. it. You know, and, and, I, I'm pretty, and I'm pretty sure I've seen it like on NFL films videos, you know, guys lining up. Am I good? Well, it happens all yeah, the time. Good. Yeah. 
Oh. Maybe it was just a miscommunication. I don't know what exactly happened, but yeah, like you mentioned at training camp, we're on the sideline. We see these interactions. Um, and, and so then two plays later, so the third, and, so of course that penalty backs washing up to third, third and goal at the six, again, pretty good position. Um, there's an incomplete pass there, Aziz Ojolari with the pressure. Then it's fourth and goal at the six, uh, snap the ball snaps, 56 seconds left. I went and watched this replay probably 20 times last night. Cause <laughs> wound up writing about Darnay Holmes for this morning. And he was the guy in on that play, obviously. And so uh, Curtis Samuel runs and he, Curtis Samuel remember is, is the guy, the commander's player who burned the giants on that critical scramble play dig route that he ran to, to, to on fourth down. Yeah. 20 yard gain on fourth down for the 90 yard touchdown drive that Washington had that wound up forcing the overtime and the tie two weeks ago. Right. Heineke had all day. I mean, he had, I, I counted it. It was six seconds, wow. six seconds before from the time he caught the snap until he timed he threw the ball. So it went into scramble drill mode. And so obviously everyone knows what happened. You've seen the replays. You've seen, you've seen the screenshots of Darnay Holmes uh, tracking and covering Curtis Samuel in the end zone. And I'll, just, I'll say a couple things about it. Obviously it was pass interference. Like there's no doubt about it. Darnay Holmes, you watch it. He pulls down on the right arm and then he comes over the top with his hands but then, like when the ball when the ball arrives, he makes a play on the ball, and he makes a great play on the ball. Uh, the pass interference happened before that. It was clearly pass interference. He was on his back, yeah. But here, here's my thing: if you're Darnay Holmes, there, like in that situation, like the game is kind of pretty much on the line, right? So it's like it makes more sense to play that, I think, aggressively, and then leave it in the officials' judgment call well, hands. The worst you're going to be have a play from the one. At the, or you're leaving it in someone's hands, right? Exactly. Or and you're right, Bob. It wouldn't, you know, it would have been a play from the one, right? And then you take your chances. But, uh, but if you, but if you play it passively, then you give them a touchdown. You know? So yeah, right, right, right. So I, I, I did like John Hussey's quote about this too. Pass interference is a judgment call. To the officials, it didn't rise to what they felt was a restriction. Thus, they didn't call it. <laughs> That's yeah. basically the bottom line there. It, it's it, a judgment call. It didn't for for one season. It wasn't a judgment call, and you think that one would have been replayed and challenged? <laughs> look, I mean, it was it was clearly pass interference, but I, um, but it that's not what was called, and uh, and the Giants get that enormous stop there, uh, and get the and then they can kneel it out after that. But um, obviously, the biggest moment of Darnay Holmes' career. I mean, three years in now. Guy they drafted in the fourth round has sort of had an uneven career. Not even sort of. He's very much had an uneven career as their slot cornerback got burned by Devonta Smith. Your scene of Dante or Darnay Holmes in the locker room was great in your story. You know, he just <laughs> – you took us into his girlfriend's living room with his baby. It was great. <laughs> it's, it's it's To me, uh, just a quick aside on, on this because this guy uh, – well, I always have to catch myself for this. He had a kid. He didn't have a kid, obviously. His his girlfriend had a child, right? So, okay. but so three weeks ago today, his his daughter was born. This guy, he's never been a father before. So, okay, like anyone who's ever been a father for the first time can attest. Like, it is an incredibly jarring experience. <laughs> so you nothing can prepare you. And this guy, he is trying to. Um, you know, go through the life of being an NFL player. And I, I think something, you know, you can get some help. I'm sure he has family coming in to help or they could hire a nanny, but it's still exhausting. Um, 
And so he's trying to balance that. But the, but the NFL and the playoff push in the league like moves on. You know, it's not going to wait around for somebody because their their significant other had a child during the season. And um, I wrote a story th- four years ago on this maybe about this topic. Like I, when I was writing about the Jets, like how does it work for players whose wives or girlfriends have kids during the season and do they try to like time it? I think I asked Josh McCown because he has like a billion kids. So right. he had a time in the pregnancy, so it didn't happen. Or he's like, oh, absolutely. Having a kid during the season is is like awful. Like you're right. you need to sleep. You need to be your body. It's not like you and I who can operate on no sleep. I mean, these guys have to be physically with it anyway. So a really great moment for Darnay Holmes was able to FaceTime with his girlfriend and his his young daughter. And uh, the I, the funniest part about all that was uh, he took he said, oh, I'm going to give them the ball. I said, oh, you got a game ball? He goes, no, I just took the ball. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, the ball that I broke up, I picked it up and ran away with it. <laughs> well, he didn't say it like that, but that's what happened. Right. <laughs> He's like, I took their ball. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so funny. the Giants come out of there with that ball <laughs> and a win and a memory of a lifetime for Darnay Holmes. Uh, even if, again, look, a lot of times this stuff comes down to luck. I mean, were the Giants lucky that the Titans missed a field goal? Yeah, they were. Um were they lucky that they didn't get pass interference called on there? Yeah, they were. But also, was that Kayvon Thibodeau play, the stop, lucky? No, it wasn't. No, so, that was a good play. And, 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 and I go back to there's no guarantee they make the two-point conversion, and there's no guarantee they even if they do and they get the game to overtime that they win then, you know? So, you know, it's it, it was fascinating that, that we were that close to having another 2020 game going to overtime oh it crossed all our minds it did (laughs) i mean uh it absolutely crossed all our minds and um the giants locker room like you said afterwards there's a video that i just saw when i was looking up the pool report um i happened to stumble upon it on the on a commander's reporters uh twitter feed and she Isaiah Hodgins has an amazing like selfie video of all the players dancing in a locker room. I have to go back. It's it, it, I have it on mute. It's incredibly loud. And Sterling Shepard is dancing so vigorously with his arms that he looks like he might throw his shoulders out. And uh, uh, obviously a joyous locker room. They knew what this meant. I mean, you talk about guys, these guys try to get these robotic responses about, you know, one game, all the same. It's not. Yeah, and they know it. And they know it. it. I mean, it it was funny how subdued Brian Dable was. I'm sure he wasn't when he was in that locker room and stuff, but, but how subdued he was in this post-game press conference. And he, he said a lot of interesting things. To me, the most interesting thing he said was that that fourth and nine decision was made on Wednesday morning in his meeting with the analytics people, you know, that, you know, we said, well, if we're in that situation, we go for it. Um, now a bunch of things, I think part of that was, he's trying to give a shout out to some, some people who work really hard for the organization and don't ever get any credit. Um, you know, but, um, you know, cause obviously other things wind and situation of the game go into that, but you know, it was, it was an interesting answer to say, Hey, we had already made our decision on that fourth and nine that we were going for it on. We, we talked about it on Wednesday if we're here. In this game, we're going to go for that. So that is a um, bit of insight, yeah. Yeah, and it, and the the other thing I found interesting all season about Dable is I I really do believe he's done some game management things um, well. And again, I I 
forgive me for going back to Philadelphia reference here, but as great as Andy Reid was and is, oh, yeah. his, 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 his uh, albatross is always clock management. Um, and challenges too were always, were always something for him. And, you know, the way Dable has set things up, he, I think, is very good at that kind of thing. I even li- love the fact that, and a lot of coaches won't do this, that he was calling a timeout on that last commander's drive. He was already thinking about, we're going to, yeah. I'm leaving myself time to, to win this game. Uh, I, I love that he's so focused on those types of things. Uh, I think that's, that's it's really important for a head coach, you know, because I think so many, Times things like that get overlooked. Uh, Sailor, I think, was talking about how, uh, and I didn't, you know, obviously I didn't see that game, but he was talking about how I was over aggressive with my timeouts, and I don't even know the situation. But you know, it's 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 when the game's moving, it's easy to sit on your couch and say, "Oh, you should do this, this, and this." But when the game's moving so fast, and you're thinking about five different things, uh, it's not that easy. <laughs> It's not. I mean, and, and, and Robert Sala doesn't call plays and Brian Dable doesn't either. But I think that's one of the big reasons why Brian Dable did not want to call plays is so he could focus on these these broader picture things. And like you said, calling the timeouts there at the end, um, because like the bottom line is like, what are you going to do with those timeouts? You can't take them to overtime. Right. So if they if they tie the game there, if it, you know that you got to play ahead, the scenarios in your head, like so why, use those timeouts because. Um, you know, you know, they're taking shots, throwing the ball at the end zone. Right. So it's a, it's a matter of the downs are ticking on them, not the clock right on Washington in that scenario. So use your timeouts, save yourself the time, because if you do get the ball back and if they miss a two point version, you get the ball back, then you just kneel it out. But if you get the ball back and it's tied, uh, you need the time on your side more than you need the timeouts, if that makes sense. Right. Absolutely. Uh, Anyway, but uh, I thought good, good moment all around for, for, the Giants last night, and um, so th- here they are. You know, I mean, they're on the they're on the cusp. And um, just getting back to what we were talking about just earlier, like you <laughs> yeah, just like we all predict. Oh, th- this is a good stat. So twenty two and f- I, I crunched this for the story for tomorrow. I wrote about a Dory Jackson talking about why he thinks, kind of, sort of, why he thinks the Giants could make a playoff run. And he didn't say it directly, but uh, you know, he was on the Titans team in twenty nineteen. Uh, that made this surprising run. And you know, he said, you know, you never know what can happen in the playoffs. And, you know, the team has a lot of the giants have a lot of fight and what you expect. So I looked up obviously 22 and 59 over the last five years, the giants were, they went out, they'll win 11 games. They may not win out, but they, they could wind up winning half as many games in one season as they did in the previous five, uh, which wow. would be a, a tidy little interesting stat. Um, but in terms of what is ahead for this team, obviously Minnesota, but real quick. So who knows? Like they're going to be the six or seven seed, right? And that means either they're going to play the two or the three. Um, we're presuming they're making the playoffs here. Um, they're not, if they do make it, they're the six or seven. So that likely will be Minnesota, which is 11 and three, or San Francisco, which is 10 and four. So either a shorter road trip to a cold place or a, or a longer road trip out west to, well, San Francisco is not super warm this time of year. But that's sort of what they're looking at. I mean, the Eagles are surely going to get the one seed. Um, but that's sort of the situation the Giants are looking at. I know, you know, people are getting excited about it and um, as as well they should. And so the Vikings first, how do you, uh, 
we'll do yeah. well, the Vikings. Imagine we're doing a Vikings podcast. We'd need another 16 hours to describe uh, what they just did. My God. Uh, just come back in NFL history. Really good team. Justin Jefferson is insane. Uh, Kirk Cousins, n- not too bad either. Um, how do you see this? Number one, how do you see the game going? And number two, will the Giants wind up getting all those things going in their favor and also clinching? I'm presuming. Yeah, I, I don't think it happens this week because I don't. I, I don't think they go in and beat Minnesota. I think they'll play a, a close, tight game. Um, you know, a, a Minnesota, as, as we saw, they what did they end up? Thirty nine points in a half, I guess. Although I, I guess it went to overtime before they won. So, but 36 points and a half. Um, as we know, the Giants haven't scored that many in uh, a long time. I forget the exact date, but 20, going back to 2020, isn't it? Against the Cowboys. Yeah, week 30, five, 2020. Yeah, 30, 37, 34 loss, actually. You see what happens when they score 30 points, they lose. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I don't think they can match with the, with the Vikings firepower and, uh, you know, uh, but I, I think they'll play a tight game, but in, in the end, we'll lose this one. I agree. I mean, there's no point in it. I agree. I think they're going to lose, so I have no reason to get into all the other things that need to go their way because they're going to. I don't think they'll clinch this weekend, and I they will lose. I mean, the, the last time they played a so the last time they played a team this complete was the Eagles, and the Eagles destroyed them. I mean, the, the Vikings and PFF are number eight in offense, um, and they're number uh, six in defense. Um, and of course, by comparison, the Eagles are two in offense and, and three in defense. So, um, the, the, they played a complete game team a couple of games ago. They got destroyed. I don't see this going well for the, for the giants. And remember too, it's kind of a semi shortish week. It's a one o'clock Eastern time, uh, noon local time game on Saturday after the right. Giants. Well, and the, and the Vikings, you know, actually got had had the extra day to prepare because they played on Saturday this week. The Giants ba- the Vikings basically got a normal week a Saturday to Saturday turnaround and they're staying they went home home so they're staying home. Yeah. So, right. uh a lot yeah, I don't I don't see this going. I, I don't know what I'll pick for. I I think I picked a score and when I sent it in earlier but uh it doesn't really matter, but I, I don't think the Giants win the game. Um, but so then the, 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 last one will, do you think they'll make the playoffs? I, I, I do. I've already said, I think that them and the, the lions are going to be the two teams that yeah, you're right. get yeah. the six and seven seeds. So I do think they'll make the play. I think they'll do it by beating the Colts, um, ne- next week. Uh, well, it's, we're, we're two weeks away at this point on new year's day. I think they beat the Colts, uh, It'll be interesting to see how the Colts respond. It was, it was interesting that the two teams that were involved in that game were the exactly. two teams that are playing next, and to see how the who the who do the Colts play this week? Um, oh, because I I, uh, I I think I picked it was on one of our games to pick. Or uh, that's a good question. Who do they play? They're playing the Chargers. The Chargers. So, okay, I don't know why. The Chargers need a win to win to get in the playoffs. So it'll be. You know, the, the Colts, that could be the game that just takes them out of it completely, that, that Vikings game. Um, you know, I don't know how they felt about Jeff Saturday, but if they liked him, they just didn't, they probably just cost any chance of him being there yeah. for next season. I mean, what a disaster. You feel bad for the players because, you know, you have an owner who's, you know, he's, he's whack, he's a whack job, you know, <laughs> like, 
I mean, let's be honest. I mean, everyone, what he said about Daniel Snyder was obviously admirable, but, uh, but for the, on a whole, Ursa has been prone to so many crazy decisions, um, over his, over his time. And, uh, yeah, no, I mean, just, just terrible. So, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's likely. I think that, that, that not this weekend, but next weekend for the giants. And you could see certainly if Seattle loses this weekend, uh, the commanders lose this weekend. Um, those teams could fall off even further, even if the Giants also lose, because while the lead would stay the same, and you're ticking away at these games, and so there's few less, fewer games for these teams to come back. And so, been a long time since we talked about uh, playoff push around here, but appreciate everyone listening. Uh, be sure to subscribe, rate, like us, review us on all your favorite podcasting platforms. We will be probably not talking to you guys till the beginning of. Uh, certainly next week, probably net may perhaps I would say next Tuesday coming out of, uh, coming out of Christmas Eve. So everyone, uh, whatever holiday you're celebrating and have a happy holiday and, um, regroup, get some sleep tonight, coming off that late night last night, later for some of us and others have a great week and, uh, enjoy the giant game on Saturday. We will talk to you guys next week. Take care. Merry Christmas.